You're listening to Costly Capital, a podcast produced for Cohn Resnick about the challenges and opportunities that market economics and high interest rates create for the real estate industry. Valuing a commercial property may seem straightforward enough, but if you've ever had to do it, particularly in an uncertain market, you learn that it's anything but foolproof. We use equations to derive values from inputs around the property's qualities and future income, but those inputs rely on assumptions made by appraisers and underwriters. High interest rates are changing those assumptions, but rates are not the only X factor in the equation right now. A dwindling market for certain property types, shifting demographics, and increasing cost have also made it much more difficult to assign a future value to any property. Even owners who are not looking to sell are being forced to re-examine their valuations. To understand how the property industry should adjust some of their valuation calculations, I talked to someone whose job it is to think through all the assumptions that get baked into an appraisal. Uh, hi, my name is Andrew Lines. I'm a principal in our Valuations Advisory Services Department. I help lead our real estate and commercial real estate valuation team. And uh, I sit in our Chicago office. The first hard truth that any appraiser or building owner needs to come to terms with is that investment is down. As interest rates have risen, so too have bond yields, making it harder for buildings to compete with other, often less risky investments in the eye of the investor. You know, as a whole, total CRE investment is down almost 60%, which is pretty substantial. And it does make sense when you qualify the fact that where in a low interest rate environment, uh, class A deals that we're offering you, you know, cash on cash return of four to seven percent uh, seems amazing and a good place to hedge your bets. Uh, but now you can almost get that equal amount from treasury bonds. So the dynamic is that some of our uh, Uh, Lower cap rates, high quality assets are no longer providing uh, the same amount of return as you can get from just the U.S. government, uh, which should be a little less risky. Uh, And so there's just more opportunities for investors to hunt down some of those deals uh, in, you know, the low rate bonds community. Uh, And so we're just not seeing the same kind of appetite. And then that's confounded with the fact of the inflationary operating expenses getting a little uh, enormous for a lot of different property types, uh, especially properties like hotels, which tend to be really sensitive to operating expenses. And that just exacerbates the problem with your income. One of the metrics that investors use to think about a building's valuation is a capitalization rate. This is a ratio of how much a building would sell for compared to how much it makes every year. Often cap rates are used as a metric to standardize the evaluation process for looking at different properties. But Andrew thinks that now there is a lot more variation in cap rates depending on which type of property and which market it sits in. We're clearly not in an environment where using a single capitalization rate makes a lot of sense. Uh, That one rate is supposed to take in all of the various factors 
uh, and inputs that um, an, a, an evaluator or an appraiser is supposed to consider. Uh, and it may not really reflect how the property is expected to perform. And, and you're also depending on what kind of property it is. So you really do need to trust in your discounted cash flow. And then the question is, well, if you think about using a 10-year cash flow, which is kind of standard in industry, well, are, are you going to stick a pandemic somewhere in there in year seven or eight? Um, or how do you really understand how the interest rates are, are going to change? Do you really feel that it might go back to another low interest rate environment? Um, those are really difficult decisions to make. And unfortunately, investors and operators of uh, different kinds of buildings have to have to figure that out. The office market has seen a pullback since the pandemic. More companies are reevaluating the office needs of their now hybrid workforces, and many are deciding to shrink their office footprint. Since some of the properties need major overhaul to either make the office more attractive or change the building's use altogether, valuation experts need to consider what changes, if any, could help the building be more profitable. To talk specifically about office buildings, um, you know, back, and I recall this from the, the Great Recession back in 08 through 2012, 2013, there was just an expectation that everything was going to return to normalcy. And it was just a matter of, well, let's just wait a little bit longer. So maybe you're saying, okay, I've got half my building is empty now, but I'm expecting in three to four years, the economy is going to come back strong and that's going to fill up and then it'll be, uh, you know, business as usual and everything's going to be fantastic. But now you can't say that for this kind of property type. You have to start thinking in terms of, well, now I've got dead space. This is dead space now into perpetuity. And so we're seeing a lot of different appraisers, different evaluators go through those steps of saying, okay, you just lost your largest tenant in your office building. And we're predicting that you're never going to be able to lease it back in the way that it's structured right now. Converting empty offices to other property types can be the only way to save some struggling buildings. But it makes valuing a property quite difficult. In order to put a value on any possible use changes, valuators need to understand what the local market wants and how much it would be willing to pay for it. We're taught, uh, anybody who gets into this at, a, at an early stage, whether from an appraiser or, or investor um, or, or analyst, uh, you're supposed to break down and understand whether or not the use that's implied for that particular building uh, is warranted and wanted in, in the marketplace. Uh, I think that's where the WeWork situation kind of got really out of hand uh, because it, it looked like this beautiful opportunity for all of these different uh, office owners to have um, you know, this new corporate tenant come in and lease all this great space. But invariably, that really wasn't the way that the market needed to to, to pan out. And so we're forced to really look hardcore at, is there demand for this? Is there demand for a health club in this particular area? Um, you know, is there, uh, is there a reason to put storage, you know, in the central business district, um, you know, among a, a building? And then you've got the other factors, which are, you know, what's the cost? You know, can these buildings really um, be moved to residential? Can you add that many bathrooms? Uh, it's just not possible for, for a lot of buildings and very cost prohibitive. Some buildings might need to be completely converted, but others might only need to convert certain floors to new uses. Mixed-use properties can offer a synergy of their own. People who live and work in a building are more likely to be patrons of on-site retail, for example. 
but that synergy is not guaranteed, so appraisers need to be realistic about how they value mixed-use buildings. The good news is that we do have a history of mixed-use buildings in the U.S., and so we can reliably look at history of buildings that have you know, had three different components. Say they've got ground floor retail, uh, they've got hotel units, uh, and they have maybe office space or, or residential. And so we know how those can operate. Uh, and it's really important that as an appraiser or evaluator or an investor, that you're thinking about those different uses independently from one another. They may create some synergy to help get things going, but ultimately you are picking apart those cash flows separately. Uh, and, and that's really probably the number one most important thing to do. The second thing is each of those independent uses will have its own merits with regards to supply and demand statistics. A more nuanced approach to property appraisals represents a paradigm shift for the commercial property industry. An extended period of low inflation had led many to apply a growth rate to all expenses equally. But it turns out nothing could be further from the truth. Because commercial real estate seemed so easy for so long, and everyone got used to just growing everything at, at 3%, no <laughs> matter what it is, whether it's income or expenses, uh, that we really need to pay a lot more attention to all the individual light items. Uh, you know, talk to any multifamily operator about insurance costs right now, and you will get an earful. And it is uh, pretty amazing to see that the insurance expenses for different property types and different properties in different states are so dynamic. There's no, it's not easy anymore. Um, I think, I think thinking through reserves is an area where analysts and underwriters need to pay a lot of attention, especially for buildings that aren't brand new. What really are the elements of the building that need to be replaced within the next, you know, two to five years and just throwing, you know, 25 cents a square foot if it's office, or you know, two hundred to three hundred dollars uh, per unit of this multifamily may not suffice. It may not be enough to have the money that's needed to actually replace those longer-lived items or things that you know are probably going to fail given its particular um, market, particular area, particular region. It isn't just expenses that need more attention by appraisers. The underlying economics of certain markets should be factored into any prediction about market growth rates. Andrew thinks that these macroeconomic factors are why certain secondary markets have outperformed the rest of the country. Uh, I think the other part is that they have to get a little bit deeper in understanding the true dynamics and economic generators of a particular area. I think that's why some of these cities like Nashville and Austin, which were you know, largely secondary and tertiary cities, are becoming prime investment areas because they've been able to grow their employment base so significantly. Uh, so you have major jobs, uh, major factories uh, that are, are providing uh, jobs, which need rooftops, and then all the services that come with it. Atlanta is a really good study, a case study for how things have, have grown. Uh, it's a you know really a strong city now. It has a public transportation system. Uh, uh, you know Nashville does not. Uh, it remains to be seen how well they can continue to grow without uh, a really solid public transportation system. Uh, but these different secondary and tertiary communities, do they have some of those elements that are you probably don't even think about in terms of Philadelphia, New York, Boston, uh, and some of the major cities? So 
I think underwriters need to pay attention to those as well. There is one more important thing to consider when appraising a property in this high interest rate environment. A property's debt stack will determine its ability to stay solvent as rates stay elevated. Loans that were generated before rates came up could even now go from being considered liabilities to assets. The cap rate is a function of understanding what the predicted income is supposed to be. Um, and it, there's really different questions for all of these owners, which is, is your note, <laughs> if your note is substantially lower, um, you know, is it, that's why people don't want to sell. They don't want to, or they don't want to refinance because they basically have a, a debt asset on their hands. Um, I think, I think what's important is to understand what the cash flow is going to be doing. And it's worth it if you know that you're going to be able to do something with this property where you're going to overachieve on, on net operating income. Investors and owners need to reduce their expectation of what that appreciation is going to be at the end of the holding period. Uh, and that really forces you to understand, okay, what's happening with the income year to year. Uh, and that's what's going to drive a lot of acquisitions in, in the near term for sure. Valuing a commercial property is a bit like predicting the future. If the last few years have taught us anything, it's that it is hard to predict what unforeseen event might change the way we use space. Appraisers five years ago had no way of knowing that the pandemic would force the world to work from home. What black swan event is waiting for us around the next corner? And how do we factor that into our valuations? The fact is that we will always be blindsided by some new phenomenon. The important thing is to adjust our methods and focus on what we can control. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more insights, visit conresnick.com forward slash subscription. That's C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K dot com forward slash subscription.